Hello and welcome to episode 217 of Three Beers a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Hello, Hello. Colin. He's I... back. Um, sober, Colin. I mean, insanely week. sober. You should see me trying to edit last week's one to try and make it any way coherent. It was ridiculous. <laughs> was it uh, that bad? I thought I, don't know. I thought I was actually... You did fine for the first 50 minutes. You did wander off in the final <laughs> 25. I had to sort of really corral that into something. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's okay, it's good, it's all fun. Um, yeah. What are you drinking tonight? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm drinking Co-op um, Summer Paleo. Oh, Co-op own brand beers. <laughs> I, well, I don't know who, I can't see it. It does say who brews it, but I can't see it. Frederick Sunday, maybe? Fred, you can okay. maybe look up and find out for me. But it's, it's Co-op's own, yeah, Summer Paleo. And it's um, oh, brewed in Stockport by Robinson's Brewery. All right, there we go. Is it nice? Um, it's actually, it's just quite generic. Generic. You know, light, fizzy, gassy, laggery, paleo stuff. Yeah. Nice. It's not ridiculous not like the, the 8.9% one you've been drinking recently. Jesus, man, that, that, that killed me last week, that we yeah. bottled it. That, that was, that was the, the beginning of the end. Stro- the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. 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 Um, I won't tell the, the listeners about the mess I was in after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, it wasn't pretty. Um, okay. So, yeah, it wasn't good at all. But no, this is just your generic. It's like 4.2%. So nice. It's very nice. getting a strength. I'm sensible tonight. I'm yes. Be, be, a, be, a, be a grown-up. Be an adult. You are a man <laughs> of children, for God's sake. Be, be an adult about this stuff. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, I am, unfortunately, not feeling that great today. So uh, not, it's not COVID-related, but it, I'm just feeling a bit under weather. So I'm on Lucozade because I, oh. need to, I need to feel better. Oh. Alcoholic, look is it? Look is it in ice because I'm that wild on a Friday night now. <laughs> but yeah, feeling a bit under the weather, so it's, it's look is it for me this now. Oh, well, give them a mention anyway. Look is it? You can stick them on the on the feet. I will. I'll put them on the feet. See if I can get some uh, traction from that. Um, so three beers to a movie and look is it? And look is it? Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a, a juxtaposition. Get on right both, I mean, beer and look is it are both medicinal. Look is it started out as a medicine, so we can we can go with that. Um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm being a bit better behaved. I'll, I'll get back. I've got a ton of. Nice, I've got like a really nice fridge full of really nice sort of like eclectic beers just now that I do want to try and start. All very nice cans as well. So mm-hmm. starting probably next week and the week after, we'll we'll fire into some of them. Okay. Cool. Are we okay. away from the Chicago beers? So have you? I think there's done... two Chicago ones left, and I think the rest are all sort of random country selections. So cause I got a new batch of my wanky beer club through the other day there. So um, there's a nice wee selection there. Um, How funny would it be if it was just called that? You're at the Wanky Beer Club. I'm sure so, that, that would that would the cool to, I'd, Honestly, I'd like the hipsters would love it. The hipsters would love it. Yeah, exactly. The Wanky Beer Club would sell so well. <laughs> um, we all know what we are. Um, <laughs> well, let's delve into what we normally do, which is a non-cinema viewing. Have you watched anything of interest at home? Not in the not in the cinemas. Yeah, I, I've watched a few things. Um, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? I'll just go with the one that I've watched. Which was, okay, I watched. I watched. Um, I got it on Amazon Prime. And it's um, Nicholas Cage's most recent movie, or not recent movie, but it's what one of his most recent films. It actually got good reviews and got like sort of, I think it got stand ovations at Cannes and at Berlin Film Festival. And that's a oh. film called Pig. Ah, right. Okay. Where he yeah. plays like a, a sort of loner chef living in the forest who has a truffle pig, and this truffle yeah. pig sniffs out all the very very lovely truffles that are most 
desired by all the high-end restaurants. Um, someone steals his truffle pig and Nick Cage is not happy about him stealing his truffle pig. Um, so he goes out hunting those down, those who have stolen his, um, his truffle pig. Um, now, I've been reading up about this a wee bit and am, am I right in thinking it, it's not John Wick? It, no, it's, 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 it's a slower, more kind of... Very slow burning. Film. It's more yeah. of, kind of like... It's, it's, there's a couple of sort of like... Act, not action scenes, but sort of like dramatic, fighty, fighty scenes, but a lot of it's more like esoteric talking discussion, the, the meaning of life and death and what, you know, the pursuit of perfection is and, and why you do yeah. a job that sort of is so, you know, pursuing what you love and also doing a job as a chef does where everything you create is essentially destroyed within, you know, minutes and things like that. You know, it's, it's not really, it's not a job, it's not a, it's, it's, it's an art yeah. form, but it's an art form that's very, very, you know, brief. So yeah, it's, it's very much, curious, a, yeah, yeah. There's a good discussion about that. And it, it, you know what? I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought Nicolas Cage was actually genuinely fantastic in it. And it's one of those films that's so frustrating to watch. You go, why is Nick Cage not just doing this kind of stuff that he could easily do and he get a script for it and he can bring so much to it? But then he's also doing shit like Willy's Wonderland and Ghosts of the Pris Prisoners of the Ghost Land and, you know, that kind of shit. It just feels like this stuff is so, so good. And yet he's, he's also doing really bad stuff. And what happens in that, inevitably with that is because there's so much, I think his ratio right now is maybe like four bad films to one good film, probably with that. Yeah. Been, right, yeah. yeah. So people don't give this the credit it deserves. Because people hear the story and go, well, that sounds like an all Nick, a stupid Nick Cage film. Yeah. But in reality, it's a very, very good film and it should be watched, but it gets lost in the like, minutiae of all these other really shit Nicolas Cage Bad films, to be honest. So you, you were saying a few weeks ago that. Um... He, he's basically out of money, and, and he's just. Oh, he's been out of money taking, for a long time, yeah. Taking whatever he can to, to cut to make his money back again and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, do you think it, it, it seems to me like you know it's coming down to now directors and who can? I think find Nick, who can find before, yeah. who can find the Nick Cage that you know the real Nick Cage. Yeah. It is one hundred percent that because, like in theory, the story of this is no different from something like Ghosts of the the, the Prisoners of the Ghost Front or the Willy Wonderland, but it mm. is. It is better written because the dialogue is much better, isn't it? But it's also a director knowing how to use Nicolas Cage. And yeah. maybe even it's just Nicolas Cage feeling involved in the film. Um, if you feel like, you know, when you watch something like Color Out of Space as well and Mandy, he seems to embrace that. He seems to get what they're trying to go for. And, it, and you can tell he's not just going through the motions. And yeah. So, no, if you can find Pig, it's on Amazon. You get it for like four ninety nine rental. And it's actually worth a, a wee four ninety nine rental. Cool. Um, it's been getting very, 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 very good reviews. Yeah. Pretty much what you're saying as well. You know, the dialogue is really well written and stuff like that. So I'm very intrigued. It's, it's yeah. one that I want to see. Definitely watch it. What have yeah, you watched? For sure. Oh, um, I've watched a few things. So I'll start with the most recent. Um, okay. So last night I managed to finally watch Fear Street 1976. Oh, did you enjoy it? it? I did actually. Yeah. In the first 20 minutes I was like, I wasn't sure, um, and then as it kind of ramped up that last hour, it was proper, like, you know, full-out Spotterfest, which... Yeah, so Phil, quite... and Phil, we, we reviewed it in the show months ago. It's basically, it's a, it's an anthology of horror films that are all connected, basically different decades, and they all sort of... Yeah, there's... Um, the murders happen in this town called Shadyvale, um, which is twinned by Sunnyvale, you know, good and bad. Um, mm -hmm. You can see the, the, the metaphors there. Um, a witch was killed, she cursed Shadyvale, and, you know, every now and again... People turn into psychopaths and chop yep. people up. Yep. Um, the first one was set in 1994. 94, yeah, sorry about Scream. Now, yeah, yeah kind of screamish, and, you know, people got chopped up, and then they discovered that the witch, they found the witch's body, a girl gets possessed. This one kind of looks back a bit to an earlier massacre, 
Yes. And it's a homage to Camp Crystal Lake, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, that kind yep. of thing. You know, kids are in camp. Um, one of the boys loses his shit, starts chopping people up, and, you know, they're piecing together the, 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 the link between these crazy people and the witch, and, you know, the witch got a hand cut off, and they've got to find a hand, reunite with the body to stop the curse and stuff like that, and it just kind of goes on with that. Um, the third one goes back to the origin story, 1666. Yes, about yeah, the it's like all the witch. It's all the witch. Have you watched that one yet? Not yet. That's next on the list. Um, but no, that this one, the first one I thought was a bit meh. The characters were all really annoying, and you know, at times it felt very kind of tween. This yeah. one was dead, as I said, the, the gore in this one was proper. Like, it was some of it was like, fuck me, you know. Like, they definitely ramped it up in, in a major way in this one, yeah. Yeah, and plus, like, they're not scared to kill kids, which is quite. Yeah, in itself, quite interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite unusual, you know what I mean? You see, like, 14-year-old kids getting hacked to pieces, and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, yeah. they're, 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 <laughs> they're not pulling any punches with us. Um, mm. So, yeah, very, very enjoyable. Um, solid 6 out of 10, which for yeah. a horror movie is, is by no means a disrespectful score. Um, another film I watched, um, so, so me and Lorraine are doing October horror films. So whenever we're watching the movie, one of us will pick a horror film. Yep. Um, and Lorraine picked a film called Whoever Slew Auntie Roo. This um, is an old film, I'm assuming, based yeah, on the title like that. This is from 1976, I want to say. Okay. Um, and it features Shelley Winters. All right, okay. Um, as a, a kind of batshit crazy lady that lives in a house and she has kids over from a local office every Christmas. Right. Um, she kidnaps one of the kids because that kid reminds her of her dead daughter. Right. And um, the kid's brother then has to go and rescue his sister from the clutches of this maniacal, crazy, rich American woman that's got a big house and kidnaps kids. All right. Was he good? Um, it's fucking nuts. Um, yeah. it, it was. It was. It was fun. Um, and, and Shirley Winters. I, I do enjoy Shirley Winters. You know, she, she always puts on a good performance. She was so over the top. It was. It was brilliant. Also had um the 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 boy in it was Oliver Twist. All right. Okay. Yeah. So he he was the, the, the kind of main boy. Um. Yeah. It was fun. It was just batshit crazy. It's just you know fucking. It gave you a lot of story. Like her husband was a magician and and he disappeared and that was it. No. No relevance to the story whatsoever. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, and so that was it. Um, it kind of touches on how her daughter died, but it never really kind of confirms if that's how she died. And again, it doesn't care that it doesn't confirm. It's like, you, know, you, you take that information, you do what you want. We're not telling you. And you're like, okay, thanks for that. Um, and then kind of interspared throughout it, there's a story of how the woman's getting swindled by a kind of seance leader that, that kind of contacts her daughter and stuff like that, which... Again, it doesn't touch on a whole lot either. So overall, it was mental, disjointed, batshit crazy, but it was fun. It had that kind of 70s madness about it, um, yes. which I really, really enjoyed. Um, not scary in the slightest. There was no horror at all in this film. You know, there was nothing that, even back then, it wouldn't have been horrifying <laughs> in any way. Um, but I, I guess, if anything, it's probably... A modern retail and a Hansel and Grail. It's yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that's what we can say. And also, it sounds not dissimilar as well, a little bit to that one we talked about last week, the one about um, the one with um, Kirsten Ritter um, in it when she's a witch in uh, the night books. The one when she's like the mm. witch in the house. It's sort of it, it's it's an age old trope, you know. Yeah, 
yeah. witch. I can't, of... I can't remember this conversation at all. No, I know you can't. Um, <laughs> it sounds like there's a trope to it of like, you know, the, the old lady or the sort of the witch stealing the children and it's, you know, the, yeah. the best to get them back. It's quite a good one. Oh, yeah. on horror, um, you've seen it. I watched it finally. I watched Old this week. Yeah. What did you think? Um, it's, it's it's a very M. Night shyamalan film. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's, um, it's, Utterly batshit crazy yeah. um, in many ways. You know, yeah. so the idea is like people go to a beach and then they suddenly start rapidly aging on this beach, and yeah. it, but he also can't get off the beach. Um, and it's either they try to survive and, and, and get off and, fight and try and find what's happening to them. So yeah, why why the aging? Yeah, yeah. It's some of the some of the dialogue was quite honestly ridiculous, and you could yeah see actors struggling to even get the words out because like it's it was so bad, but. It, he built tension up pretty well, and he and he sort of used the the, the scenario really well. The, yeah. the, the quote unquote twist at the end um, was ridiculous. It was men- it, mental. mental. It was just like I could have done that. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was just like, and there's a twist, and you're like, but that's what? Yeah. <laughs> it made no so sense. I, <laughs> but I, I did enjoy it for what it was. I mean, it felt very much like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Which. Yeah. So much so that um, when we're talking about it, me and Joe talked, we watched it, and then I started explaining to her the, the film The Happening. You've seen The Happening with Mark Wahlberg? I've seen bits of The Happening, okay. yeah. And yeah. I basically try to explain the plot of The oh, Happening. Oh, is that the one with the suicides? Yes. And oh, it's like yeah, I've seen nature that. Yeah, fighting yeah. back type thing. Yeah. So I, I ah, tend yeah, to explain the, the plot of The Happening to Jill, and she gave me a look like simply that she did not believe like that this was the plot of the film. Yeah. So we end up watching The Happening again, and... Um, and, and so I won the argument because I was right about the plot. I mean, I didn't win yeah. in, in reality because I had to watch the happening again. But <laughs> <laughs> but the happening, the, the opening 15, 20, opening 20 minutes, minutes is fucking phenomenal. Is, yeah, it's yeah, generally creepy. You're, you're so gripped. Yeah. You know, and then it just goes downhill. It just, you know, it just fucking, like, wait, whoa, no, stop, stop, stop. And it just keeps going. And you're like, oh, fuck, train wreck. <laughs> For me, it went downhill when they had Marky Mark pretending to be a, a school teacher. And I was like, Yeah, that, that, yeah. Any time Mark tries to play anything of, you know, an intelligent character, it, it just fucking wearies whatever it is he's yeah. doing. You're like, no, Which we'll no, get no. to later. Um, anything else um, you watched at home of interest? Um, I've been watching my, still my TV shows. So, Still doing uh, Only Murders in the Building, which okay. was phenomenal this week. Um, I won't spoil it for you, but they've introduced um, a character who's deaf. Aye. Um, uh, and, you know, it's kind of looking at this character, but because he's deaf, there's no dialogue in the whole episode. Oh, which is okay. really clever. And you only yeah. notice it about 10 minutes in. You're like, fuck, no one's talking. Do you know what I mean? But it's done in a way that you don't realise no one's talking. Do you know what oh, mean? Really so clever. Really, really clever the way it's done. Okay. Um, it, 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 it's really, it reveals a lot as well. So it's kind of made it really, you know, intriguing. I'm like, what, you know, what's, what, you know, give me more, more. It's such mm. a great show. I'm really, really enjoying it. So I'm watching that. I think we've got two more episodes to wind that up and then that's that done and um, I've started watching um, probably the, the, the kind of biggest thing in social media just now Squid Game no I'm not watching it yet because Jill, has a, Jill doesn't watch TV enough that when we put it on she won't watch it she'll just sort of half dip in out it and won't watch it subtitled so yeah. you kind of need to pay attention so we have to wait for a time and she will not be doing something and she'll actually sit well, and watch it because I'm she only wants to watch it as well. three episodes in and 
Yeah, it's good, man. It's good. Yeah. Um, it's got the same kind of vibe to it as Parasite. It's got that kind of feel right, okay. and vibe to it. It's Korean and there's an obvious kind of, you know, class, you know, kind of yeah, structure yeah. in there. You can see, you know, where it's going with the classes and it's classes within classes and stuff like that. Um, and of course, be, being Korean and the batshit crazy, when it goes full on gore and, you know, mayhem, it, 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 it fucking goes for it in a big way. But the, the the first episode, you know, it was like, oh shit, fuck, you know, they done that. And then the second one really slowed it down and gave you character, you know, development yeah. and more into the characters. And it was like, you know, really, really well done. And then the third one, it's, you know, it's back into, you know, right, here we go again. Um, but it, it's really, I can see why there's hype about this show. Okay. Um, I mean, my 14 year old daughter watched it. Um, she will not watch anything with fucking subtitles. Do you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't watch subtitled, and she's watched all of it. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it seems to be something that's capturing. It's became sort of part uh, of the sort uh, of zeitgeist just now. It's a bit like yeah. when, when Tiger King first dropped at the start of the pandemic. That sort of mm. every, even I watched it. And it was like utter shit, but I watched it as well. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is sort of, this seems to be taking up that uh, world because I know Midnight Mass is sort of kind of taken up a little bit of the public consciousness, and people are watching it, and that's kind of bit of reviews, but it's been buried. Um, and I'm yeah. Squid Game, so I will yeah. get to it at some point. I do want to watch it. I'm intrigued by it. Very, very, very good. Um, worth watching, and it, it's intelligent. Do you know what I mean it's really, really well written? Um, smart dialogue, and the, the acting is spot on as well. So yes, I get get your eyes on that as soon as you can. This one, I will mention one other film that I watched that it's not in like not for a new release, which is one, a film called The Outlaw from 1943. You ever heard of this film? Oh, um, I've heard of it. I don't know if I've seen it though. Yeah, it's got Jane Russell's debut in it. Oh. Oh, is oh. it got what's his face in it? Um, oh, oh Mitchum. No, other one, bad guy. What one? Jack Palance. No, no, oh, Jack Palance. Okay. This is this is the Billy. The, this is basically the Billy the Kid one. Oh, okay, cool. Um, famous for the fact that in, it was the censors tried to ban it based purely on Jane Russell's cleavage. Understandable. If you look at the posters, yeah. you can understand why. Because even <laughs> even looking at it now, you go, "That's a pretty risky poster." Even for like yeah. for nineteen forty-three, that might have killed a few men. Is it um, a kind of tight brown shirt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's it's not subtle at all. <laughs> so yeah. the, the 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 legend, well, not the legend. The, the truth is that apparently Howard Hawks designed like or is it Howard Hawks? Howard Hughes, one of them designed like a basically a kind of essentially a wonder bra for her to try and get it all ample and looking amazing, and she refused to wear it because it was too sore. But um, that was sort of the, the and he sort of oh. he used maths to explain like in front of the censor board why it was okay for this top to be allowed on camera and it wasn't breaking any of the sort of the decency laws and things like that. But yeah, it's it's a really good film. It's, it's a western. It's all kind of Billy the Kid. She plays sort of the, the love interest of um of Billy the Kid and of Doc Holliday and um, mm. sort of women come between them so it's and it's it's a really it's I enjoyed it it's a really well done film the music in it is very sort of what you're imagining an old-timey film to be like yeah. constantly like you know that kind of just sort of yeah. like everyone's, everyone's yeah. got a wee punchline to it almost um but no it's a good, it's a good two hour i watched it this, this afternoon it's a really nice enjoyable afternoon watch it's gonna hang my grandpa we probably watched because he I love do, westerns i do enjoy kind of old school acting style because it, it was you know I mean, back then actors were still theatrical yes because, very much so uh, yes know, came from you know the, the kind of board walks to yeah camera and you, you still see it in old films and i love it because it's it's exaggerated to a point where you know it's beautiful do you know what mm. I mean? it's like so it's, it's like a craft you can see that these people are you know they're, they're taking pride in their you know fucking flamboyance and you know coming across as 
you know, a character that works. So it's brilliant. I absolutely love that so much. I do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth watching. It's on, if you're looking for it, it's on the BBC iPlayer. Um, oh, there's a ton, okay. of, a ton of old films on the BBC iPlayer you can sit and watch again. <laughs> That's bizarre. Lorraine had just said that to me the other night. She came barging through and she's like, I found lots of old films and... Yes, you said BBC iPlayer as well. Um, yes, yeah. you're in sync, man. We are, yeah. So, so I'm all, it's really because Netflix, try to find anything on Netflix before 1994 is essentially impossible. Mm. Yeah. Amazon's a little bit better. You can find some old stuff on Amazon or you can, you can rent it on Amazon sometimes. But try, you could, I mean, you can go to, you can, if you want to pay a subscription to like the BFI and stuff like that, you can get old films there on their, their, their video player. But trying to actually find access to old movies is really difficult. Um, I'm reading a book that's now all about kind of old Hollywood, so I'm wanting to seek out these films, um, and it's just become yeah. tougher and tougher to try and find them. You can buy some of them, but they're quite expensive to buy if you want to buy them on like Blu-ray yeah. or DVD. So, mm. um, yeah, but I do It's Turner Classic Movie Channels. That's still a thing. TCM possibly could be. I don't know, but then they have, oh, have adverts, and that will annoy me. Yeah. So, um, there's a channel we've got on on now TV, um, the, the Roku channel. Um, uh-huh. that, that's got a lot of old shit on it. That's where I found um, the original Shazam series. Oh, right, okay. The thirties, the, the fucking nuts, man. Oh, right, okay. Stuff like that's on it. Yeah, it's uh, proper, proper good fun. Do you know what I mean the old nice Shazam and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. No, Outlaw. So I, I do. I don't think I've seen Outlaw, but I've seen documentaries about censorship, and I think that that's usually a that's one of the big you know, it's, it's a talking is, point. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much a talking point because of. Jane Russell's. Genius. But do you know what? Sex sales. I mean, sales indeed. Even yeah. in 19, even like, this is 2021. Even you look at 19, you know, you look at now, you go, that's, you know, she's hot. You know, it, it yeah, got me to watch a film yeah. based on how Jane Russell <laughs> looked back then, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. oh no, she, she's pretty, pretty good. Jane Russell was an absolute star. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so on from that, the, the ample bosom of Jane Russell, um, we'll move on to sort of the newer films that are out this week. Some of them are in the cinema, some of them are in the streaming services. The first one is a film called Infinite, which is directed by Antoine Fuqua, who did The Replacement Killers, he did Southpaw, Training Day, The Equalizer, and the remake of The Magnificent Seven he done recently as well. So he's done all the films. I enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, apart from Chris Pratt, I enjoyed it. Um, mm. Infinite is it's a man discovers that he's been having hallucinations. He thinks he's schizophrenic. Okay, he thinks he's like sort of all these jump noises in his head, all these voices in his head, but it turns out they're actually visions from a past life. And basically, throughout history, he's been having this sort of ongoing war with. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of people who who have the same thing. They have it's sort of an, a, a war through the the time with each other. And every time they die, they still come back, and it's all the memories. So they, they continue this war on. Right. So there's it's bit, Island and meets Star of Echoes so far. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Almost like, <laughs> like you remember the Powers comic book. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, they, they basically, he's like sort of 10,000 years old in that book, and he doesn't mm. realize like, he keeps forgetting. It's all like that, you know, yeah. sort of, it's, it's a continuing war through time, but it's very Highlander vibes in it. Um, mm. You've got Marky Mark playing the um, sort of the titular hero, and Mark Wahlberg. Um, his the opposite number is Chewie Ejiofor, who pops up in it as well. Oh, um, I do you like him. Yeah. Sophie Cookson, Jason Manzoukas, Toby Jones, and Dylan O'Brien pop up in it. Dylan O'Brien pops up as like the Mark Wahlberg from like a previous. Generation, like sort of the one, like sort of the one before that's Mark Wahlberg, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's so Dylan O'Brien. A pre incarnation of Mark yes, Wahlberg. Of Mark Wahlberg, yes. Um, it's a very messy action sci fi. Um, it's, I think it's an, maybe an adaptation of a comic or possibly a book. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it feels very early 2000s. 
you know, like sort of mm. nothing really particularly unique or interesting. It feels, it feels very sort of, they've got an idea. They're probably, if you read the book or read the comic, probably, it probably would hash out these ideas a lot more to the point where you understand, like, you know, there's a point to it almost. Like, oh, there's a sort of better story structure. When they try mm. and condense it into like an hour and 40 minutes, it becomes very messy and very jumbled. Um, Marky Mark is sleepwalking through it. it. There's very little in this. It's different from about 10 other roles he's done. There's not much to, to keep him interested. And you can tell he's bored of the role yeah. a little bit. You know, so it doesn't really, there's no charm to him in this one. Because we, we do mock him a little bit, Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg, but he is enjoyable on screen he's most what, of the time. Yeah, on form. He's, he's more than, when he's doing action stuff, he's watchable. He's, yeah. he's good at action stuff. Um, yeah. Um, not, not in this film, he's not, apparently. I'm not particularly liking that Chewy Edge of Forest or Chippewa Edge of Forest became like sort of the, a new bad guy in Hollywood. I think he's better than that. I think he's a better actor yeah, and deserves more. Totally. I, mean, I, I think he's got charisma. I get yeah. kind of good guy vibes from him. It doesn't come across as, as a bad guy. It's, you know, it's a wrong stereotype from totally. Right, he's been falling into sort of, you know, the kind of, you know, kind of almost yeah. just not top action film, but just, just sort of just below top action film, bad guy. I'm like, oh, you're better than that. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, I always saw him as sort of like the predator, like sort of the guy who would take over almost like from like a Forrest Whitaker type character. You know, he sort of mm-hmm. had like a more, you see more like ninja, sort of more sort of like quiet assassin as opposed to yeah evil. He's got, a, he's, and he's got a gravitas about him. Yeah. You know I mean, and he can act. I mean, he uh-huh. can my God, can that boy act? Yeah. I mean, an ensign. Um, so, yeah, it's seems like a strange, strange... It's not they can't do bad guys. Like, he's obviously in Serenity. He's a great bad guy in Serenity. And he's a mm. pretty decent bad guy in Doctor Strange as well. I just feel he's, become, he's getting that more and more now, just sort of being like yeah. this particular bad guy. Um, mm. He is sidelined from a lot of the film, to be honest, because they're trying to, they're trying to set up a... They're trying to set a usual... Trying to set up a, a, a franchise or universe. Yeah. So they spend this film trying to explain how this universe works. So for basically, for the... Like, you get the idea of like the start of the film, he tried to figure out what's happening. Then he'd meet people who explain to him what's happening. But that explanation part takes about 40 minutes to the film. So right. it, it, it ties up so much time. There's no real use of the bad guy in it because he can't really get him on screen because they're so busy trying to explain how this world works and how yeah. to use it. So sounds like Jupiter Ascending was like that. It a was little a bit yes. idea. It yeah. was just too too clunky and too much uh-huh. to, to you know take in in a a film. Um, the, the one name you said that caught my attention most of all was Toby Jones. I do yes. Toby, Toby Jones, how was he? Not in it much. No, but when no. he was in it, he was good. He's enjoyable, yes. <laughs> um, the action scenes are pretty well done. I actually quite enjoy some of them. They're, they're not particularly, you know, groundbreaking, but they did look real as opposed to looking CGI. Like hmm. when I when I saw the when I saw a car smash through a building, it looked like a car was smashed through a building. It looked it felt visceral as opposed to some of them you've watched recently, and you see a go, well, that's clearly somewhat that's CGI. It looks, it looks yeah. tame. It looks fake. You can see almost yeah. like the, the animated version of the car coming through. Yeah. This looked yeah. like they basically drove a car through walls, which works for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, practical effects are always always good. And yes. They're becoming they're becoming more of an art form now. Do you know what I mean because less and less films are. I guess it's much budget and stuff, but you know when you do see practical effects, you appreciate it now. I, I, I agree. When you see, it, I think that's yeah. why I really appreciate that the Mission Impossible films. When you see the practical effects that they're doing, that you go, "That's real." Like when I see, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise stapled to the side of a plane, he is literally stapled to the side of a plane that's going in there. You know, so you appreciate the man jumped from space. If <laughs> from space, do you know what I mean for a film? That's Aye. not that's like, it is. 
what the fuck? <laughs> Whereas Fast and Furious always looks very fake to me. It always looks very CGI. Oh, yeah, it is, obviously, it has to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this, this, I think that's Fuqua's calling. He likes things to be a bit more real. Uh, he, enjoy, he, he likes that part. So I enjoyed those parts of it. At best, it was, it was a Sunday distraction, but no one in it. It's, it's not anyone's best work at any point in the film. Um, mm-hmm. It's all very, very average, I would say. Would it make a better TV show where there's a cast? Possibly, yeah. The idea is there for a cast. Yeah, your idea is there for like sort of you could have this throughout time and you could probably do mm. it relatively cheaply once you go over the first like pilot episode. Yeah. You know, you could maybe do it, but yeah, it would definitely it seems more of a TV or, a, or even an anthology type thing of like you know a, a, a mini series possibly. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I give I'm, it a like it, I'm on the paper, I'm liking the idea a lot. Do you know I mean the, 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 the concept sounds good, but as you say, it's a big concept to squeeze in a 90-minute movie or, you know, a 100-minute movie. That, that yeah. seems to be the, the, the problem. Um, sorry, out of 10, sir? Five out of 10. Oh, oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah. So not not unwatchable, but yeah. by no means not, not quite up there with District 9 and stuff like that either. Okay, no. cool. Um, on from that, we'll move on to the other one that's on streaming services. It's a film called The Guilty, and that's on Netflix. Um, this is also directed by Anton Fuqua. The man has been busy. Oh, I didn't realise I just started watching going, yeah. He's, is he is he got a deal with Netflix or, or something? No, because the first one's Amazon. Ah, right, okay, cool. So he, cool right. Man just likes to work. That's all it yeah. is. The man likes to work. Um, so he's on. He's done the films previously mentioned. So yeah, he's he's, he's a busy man. Um, mm-hmm. The plot of this film is a remake of a Swedish film um, by the same name, and basically it's a, it's a, a police officer who is basically put on gardening leave. Sort of, he's he's been demoted for a, a short time because he has done something in the field. That he maybe shouldn't have done. So he is basically just answering the 999 calls. So, or the 911 calls, sorry. Um, he gets a call through, and it's a woman who sounds like she's being kidnapped. Um, and from that, he's trying to piece together who's been kidnapped, why she's been kidnapped, and basically, is there anyone else in danger because of it? Because there's children involved as well. And it's the, the, the police officer trying to piece this together. Well, at the same time, basically, He's also tried to cover his ass for what may have happened or may not have happened in the field previously that he may be in trouble for. Sounds quite taut. Yes. Um, yeah. It's essentially a one-man band. It's Jake Gyllenhaal is sort of the, the operator. Um, yeah. A few other people in the film, like sort of other police officers who kind of wander through the screen, but he's pretty much the only person in it. You get the voices of Riley Keough, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, Christina Vidal and Ethan Hawke, they, but they're all just voices on the phones that you don't ever mm. actually see any of them. Um it is a really tense, well-told thriller, very much like a bottle episode of a TV show. It's all set within, essentially, within like sort of a nine-one-one room. Maybe it's like maybe mm. four rooms in total. You kind of wander in out of like, and one of them's like a toilet stall, essentially. So you're mm. basically that's all you've really got. And um, mm. essentially, the camera. If you see the poster, it's basically aimed at Jake Gyllenhaal's face very intently. Essentially, yeah. the whole film takes place from that angle. You know, it's like right. <laughs> you're essentially looking at Jake Gyllenhaal getting very angry, very sweaty for about 85 minutes. Um, so the entire film is anchored in what his performance is. And Jake Gyllenhaal's a very good actor and he gives off a yeah. very good performance. So you are engaged oh, in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, like most of these kind of films that are sort of very, like, you know, like bottle episode films or, um, you know, that revolve around one character and one conceit. The energy in it does kind of run out towards the end, which you've seen a lot of things. Things like you know, uh, what was it? Um, Buried with and stuff like that. Yeah, Lock. Yeah, as well. yeah Lock yeah. and Oxygen as well was out um, mm, on Netflix yeah. recently as well. So things like great. You know, for you're with it for about seventy five minutes. Then as it gets to its conclusion, you kind of go as it's, it's running on fumes to get to the end. Um, yeah. But 
it's good, good twists, good turns. It, it works really well. Um, but no, I really dug it. It's a really well done film, and it's a really quick watch. I think it's about eighty nine minutes or something like that. So it does it's it works its time well. Um, aye, it definitely, and it's on Netflix, so it's, it's, it, you can pretty much watch it for nothing essentially. So yeah, yeah. It's definitely worth it. And it's really interesting. You watch these two films back to back. It's a very different type of film. You know, so it's like a director showing off two very different bows of what he can do in terms of um, his, his skill set. He's not pigeonholed to do, only do sort of like the, the action thriller. He can also do this sort of really taut, you know, quite personal, you know, in-your-face kind of thriller. So, mm-hmm. um, cool. so, I, so I didn't know the same director when I started watching them, but it was like only when I started watching the seven, I was like, oh, shit, this is the same guy who's done me. So it's quite interesting. I know obviously know Anton Foucault's work. He's done a lot of good work, but um, so it was... It was Interesting to see a range of talent from a man. You know, you can do different things. Yeah, yeah, which is becoming rarer, isn't it? Because yeah. more and more directors are, you know, that's their their niche, their genre, right there. Um, so it's nice to see somebody that can, you know, juggle and you know keep everything in there. That's cool. exactly. That's good. Cool. Just quickly before we go into the big big release. Um, oh, just before we start, um, seven. I'll give that one seven out of ten. The guilty is seven out of ten. Oh, I'm going. To, I'm definitely going to watch it. We've kind of seen it pop up more. Like, oh, Jalen Hall, because Jalen Hall's, yeah. you know, he's he's a draw now, isn't he? He's, yes, he's, I like Jalen Hall. He's, he's a box office draw. Um, we watched um similar vein, like in terms of tension and stuff like that, and and kind of minimalist. Um, just last week we we rewatched the disappearance of Alice Creed. Oh, you t- you Again? spoke about this at length yesterday, eh, last week. Did I? Yes. Alice Creed? Yes, did you I? did. Oh, well, okay. Great. <laughs> I forget that conversation ever happened. I enjoyed it. That was good. <laughs> yes. um, right, okay, moving on quickly. From that, we'll move <laughs> on to the biggest cinema release in Britain of you know recent times, I think. Um, at least mm, the last two years. Yeah. Um, I've not seen it yet, but you have seen it. And that yeah. is 007 No Time to Die, directed by Carrie Yoko Fukaga. Fukanaga. Um, who directed <laughs> True Detective and Beast of No Nation and Jane Eyre. Uh, this is definitely a massive step up for him in terms of like, you know, budget and scope and yeah, range. Um, so what's the plot of this one? Right. Without spoilers. Uh, James Bond is a, is a secret agent. No, well, no, James Bond is retired. Um, okay. he's, he's not a secret agent. Um, the, the, the story opens um, with a little girl's mum getting killed by an assassin. Um, the assassin goes to kill the little girl, decides to save her life. Um, flash forward to many years later and you see Mr Bond's um, in love with some beautiful woman setting up home and wanting to be together. Um, he goes to visit the grave of Vespa. Um, an explosion happens. He thinks it was her that done it and he pushes her away. Um, go away. Doesn't, doesn't want to be with her anymore. Um, from there, um, terrorists steal a bioweapon, right? Um, which the CIA try and get Bond to assist and help him with. Felix tries to get Bond because he's not MI5 anymore. Okay, and Bond initially says no, and then he's approached by Twist, the new 007. Is she 007 in it? She's 007, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's, she's, I thought she's, she's a double O. Like, you know, no, like Sean she's, Bean's a double O. She's actually 007. 007, yeah, because it's just, just a number, do you know what I mean? It's I, like, I get you know, that, but a lot of people were not happy with that aspect of it. Well, it's just silly, because, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a fucking number. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Of course we'll reassign it to someone else. Why would they have retired? That was so stupid. Yeah. Um, he then agrees to help, um, and then they go jet-setting about the world, Cuba, Jamaica, stuff like that. Um, 
track down where the bioweapon was getting made. Um, James uh, 007 then go into the secret base, do all kinds of crazy shit, and save the world. As, as we expect. Much, pretty much the plot. Um, the, the, the was it in the film you've got Daniel Craig playing Bond for his last time? Um, very, a very good final send off as well. Um, okay. Yeah, you've got great. Anna de Armas plays an R secret agent, I think, or a, a, a apparently she steals the movie. She's what I want. Can I love Anna de Armas? She's um, in it for honestly nine minutes and she just totally waltzes in, waltzes out, and just takes the movie. She's oh, amazing. I want more Anna. I want more Anna. Rami Malik, I think, plays a baddie, yes. Very under, under underused. Um, underused. Great actor. He can, he can act like hell. Um, and he, he doesn't get enough to do. And he's kind of very whispery as well, which annoys okay. me. I don't like whispery. I don't. And also in it, you've got Lashana Lynch. He plays a new double O. You've got the Ray Fiennes. He plays M. M. Uh, ben Wishaw plays Q, I'm thinking again Paddington. as well. Yeah, he is Paddington, yes. He is Paddington. Um, Naomi Harris plays Money, Money Penny. Penny. She's uh, great. Lee Sedu, she plays... Uh, Love interest. Love interest. Yeah, yeah. Who plays Felix again? It's um. Oh, it's the Watcher. Oh, I, his name I'm now yeah. forgetting. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Yes, great yeah, voice he, he's got. Yes. He, yeah, um, he plays Felix as well. So, and the biggest problem I had was so I went with I took my son and his girlfriend to see it, um, oh. and they had never seen. They, they, they're not familiar with the James Bond universe at all. I think right, okay. they'd maybe seen one film and she's not seen any, um, and they came out enjoying it a lot more than I did. Right, okay. I'm a big Bond fan. The he's reason he's an action he, film at that point, then he's an action movie. Exactly. The reason yeah. I there's stuff happening, and I'm trying to recall. You know, I'm trying to pull. Right. Fuck, who was that again? And what, what film was that? In, and why did that? Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot yeah. of stuff goes on, and because it's his final out, and do you know what I mean? That there's a lot of that. Do you know what I mean? A lot of kind of nods and stuff like that. And I'm just constantly trying to think a correlation between this right, and that okay. next thing. And you're trying so hard that yeah, you're maybe just not enjoying. You know, an action film, whereas they're right. just, you know, seeing James Bond, you know, fucking shit up, which, yeah. you know, is probably a better movie than, you know, me trying to put a jigsaw together. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad film. Um, the, 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 the camera work was was immense. Um, the stunt work was great. Um, he's, Daniel Craig is, I mean, he's getting on a bit now, Daniel Craig. You know, but he, he can still throw himself around, yeah, yeah. And, you know, run run about and stuff like that. Is so he still quite as um poor faced in this one? He, he he doesn't really have much of a humour to his bond at all, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually saying that that's one of the first things I said when I get home and Lane asked me about it, and I was saying that Lane like it, it's got quips and throwaway gags in there, but it's almost like they don't belong. Don't, do you don't believe I mean? it, I don't believe in it. Yeah, yeah you're like that's kinda it's meant to be funny, but you know, the film's so serious that they don't alleviate the seriousness because like Connery's Bond obviously that's in the 60s so they can be a little bit camp with that Roger yeah. Moore played it straight up for laughs almost didn't he he pretty much went in the camera yeah Lazenby was he similar was he doing something similar to that as well he yeah he was quite similar um, Timothy Dalton went dark that, that was your dark Bond bad Bond um, Rosnan was a bit more winky at the camera not completely yeah, but he, yeah. he knew what he was doing he knew he was in a film oh, yeah. the stupidity of it yeah. I've thought that because right, I'm not a huge Bond fan. I'm I'm very well, passive on Bond. I'm not really I don't really have that mm-hmm. much investment in it. I've always thought that um, 
Daniel Craig, he's playing it a little bit too straight. You know, he, he's and see if he played it straight, but there's silliness around him to an extent, kind of like what they have in the Fast and Furious. I'm not saying it has to be completely the same level, but you have Vin Diesel playing it very straight in that, and everyone else sort of understands the stupidity of it from what you get. Yeah, it feels like yeah. everyone in this film playing it far too straight that it feels it feel you're not emphasizing the ridiculousness of it. But even Mission, Impo- problem- Mission Impossible had that recently when they're defusing a nuclear bomb and they go, do you think how fucking crazy this shit is that we're now defusing yeah. a nuclear bomb? You know, even they sort of yeah. acknowledge that part of it. It's silly. But I think the problem is, is I think that they've kind of done a Christopher Nolan with this, is they, they took Bond and they wanted to make it almost real the way Batman kind of yes, yes, like, you know, right. this they've taken away the fantasy. Yeah, there's still gadgets and shit like that, but, you know, you've not got, like, laser watches and shit like that. Aye. You know, like Roger Moore would have had now. It's, you know, it's a lot more... Well, that, that could, you know, potentially be a real thing, and I think that's the problem as well. I think Craig's Bond as well was a, was a response to things like Bond. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah, very much aye. in that respect. But also, you can, you can make a secret agent movie fun and silly, because, like, even something like Spy, which I know is more of a comedy, it was well done, it's a comedy. Even Kingsman. As a sort yeah. of prime example, you can do a real superhero, a super agent movie with that nod and a wink. You don't always have to make it super serious. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, overall, it wasn't a bad film, and I did, I did enjoy it. I was just, I just thought, you know, like, I mean, unless you've watched the previous four or five films leading up to this yeah. a couple of weeks before. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, I've seen Casino Royale like three or four years ago now. Do you know right, what I mean? Okay. So trying to pull stuff for that that links into this, I'm like, I can't, I just can't remember. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know it means something, but I don't know what it is. And that's right. just constantly ticking over. Um, I've seen it already last night. Um, Daniel Craig has got the most beautiful eyes ever. My God. <laughs> that, that man's eyes, they're just like a pool of fucking Caribbean ocean. Um, and, you know, this 40-foot screen and his eyes are just like, wow, um, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm a heterosexual male, but my God, I'm melted into those eyes every scene. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you say that. He doesn't need you, Colin. He's got Rachel Vice. He doesn't need you at all. Well, no, we may one day, you know, they might. <laughs> At a rocky park, you know, come You can have Daniel, I'll take Rachel Vice. Um, <laughs> one thing I've got a question about, I've not seen it yet, so I can't judge it at all. It's a two hour, 45 minute runtime. Mm. Could it have been a two hour film? Could it have trimmed it down? Um, I'm trying to think if there was. It, it kind of, as pretty much most films do, it, it kind of does slow down in the middle a wee bit. Right. It, it, does, it doesn't feel like you're sitting there for two, two, you know, two and a half hours. It does actually move and it kind of pulls you along and you're never, you're never more than kind of, you know, five, ten minutes away from, you know, an action scene. You know what I mean? The, the, you know, there's always kind of something up coming and you know, and you're waiting for it and it's, you know, kind of off the jet to the next location and, you know, there's going to be explosions and gunfire, then off the jet again. And so it, it does move nicely. Um, it probably could have done a wee bit of trimming here and there, but no, overall, it wasn't It wasn't bad. Um, people seem to be losing their shit. I mean, it's getting a lot of really shitty reviews. Like, people hating on it I mean, yeah. in a big way, um, you know, saying it's disrespectful and you can't, you know, you can't kind of end it like this, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't have... A female fucking 007 and you know it's woke and all that number. I don't think it's in that. You know, I think it's just a it's a nice conclusion. I think the thing about it is it's a bit like well not a bit like Bond for some reason is wrapped up in this sense of what it means to be British. Yeah. And the people who are the people are wrapped up in that Britishness are very sort of male. Sort of, they have this ideal of what the perfect British male is. 
and mm-hmm. Bond sort of like entrusts that and Bond has that Bond is the embodiment of that in many ways. Despite yeah. the fact the character's written yeah. in Scottish, we won't delve into that yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, so that it's in their mind, he has to be a guy, he has to be a white man. And yeah. you know, it has to, you know, he has to adhere to that. He can't be a black guy, he can't be a white woman, he can't be a black, he definitely can't be a black woman, you know. So sort of, he can't be a gay bond, he can't be, you know, it has to be a straight male white bond. Even at one point, was Daniel Craig not blonde and not questioning that, you know, they do have a blonde bond. It's like it's just it's hair colour, man. Probably. So yeah, big fucking deal. Yeah, look past, you know, the, I the, think the, that's what bond is. Particularly in this like post Brexit world where there's everything's so like sort of the line down the middle is such as a split. Bond yeah. sort of he fits into that sort of like the Royal Britannia brigades version of Britain. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's why people get so entrenchedly attached to him in every way. And it like to me, Bond has never been my I, I was never a generation of Bond. My dad wasn't into it, like no one really knows into it apart from yourself who's a Bond fan, but it's mm. never part of my upbringing that I'm watching Bond movies. So when I've my first Bond was um uh Pierce Brosnan. You know, an Irishman, exactly. so, and, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. I think the only one I really liked was um, Tone of a Dies. For some reason, I really mm. kind of liked Terry Hatcher. Um, so that is my bond. I don't really care about it. I don't really have any sort of link to it. But there's a lot of people of a certain generation now who still have that link to bond. And I think you're seeing it with the audiences because it's not just your under 20s, your 20 to 30s that are going to now. It's people in their 50s and 60s that are going to sign this now to watch this film because it is so wrapped up in this sense of their childhood and also their sense of the Britishness of it all. I think that's mm. the big issue of it all. Um, one thing that, that did quite annoy me, um, tell me, I, I don't know if maybe the sound system in the Glasgow cinema world needs overhaul, but I struggled with a lot of it. You know, like, kind of, I just couldn't pick out what was getting said a lot of the times. So, I, I, I think this is part of the cinema might have a problem partly. I'm not denying it could be that. Mm. I found that mixing in films these days is really poor. The mm. action scenes are ramped up to eleven. Yeah, but they keep the dialogue down at, or they put the they put the, the action up to ten, but because only go any higher than that. But to mm. make it sound louder, all the slow, but all the quiet bits are down at a two. Yeah. Rather than it being like yeah. a five and a ten, it's like a two and a ten to make it sort of feel even more sort of crazy. So it might be partly to do with the system, but I just think yeah. you know the sound mixing in a lot of films these days is. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it could do with some work. Let me know what you think when you see it anyway. In yeah. case, uh, just I'm curious to see if it is the sound system, if it is the film. Or, I'm, it, I'm it could be from, me. It might, might be my ears. I'm, I'm going from watching stuff at home when it gets to like a dialogue, but I'm ramping the volume up in my, on my sound yeah. bar to get to hear it, and then all of a sudden something blows up and the window gets blown out because of it, yeah, you know, because it's already ramped up. Yeah, yeah. So um, over, see... overall, very enjoyable. Um, not not a bad film. Really good action scenes. Daniel Craig. There wasn't a bad performance in it. Um, uh. Anna steals the show. She is, bro. She needs her own movie based on that character. That's how good yes. she was. Okay. Uh, but I think you, I think even as a non-Bond fan, um, the action scenes are, are enough. Do you know what I mean? To, to it seems that. like it should be a fun at night out at the cinema, which I think is what it's yeah. aiming at being. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Out of 10, what are you having? Um, 7 out of 10. Fair enough, I watched 7 out of 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. On from that, last film we're going to talk about this week, it's one that's still in the cinema, and it's, uh, I think you've seen it, it's called The Many Saints of Newark, um, a soprano story, which is the sort of, it's a sort of a prequel to the Sopranos TV show. It is directed by Alan Taylor, who done a lot of the episodes of Sopranos, but unfortunately he's also, in, in film-wise, he's been known for two films, which is Thor The Dark World. Like, ooh. And also Ooh. our favourite Terminator Genesis. 
Um, oh, it's not. <laughs> it's it's not a, good. For Dark World, I think I'm more forgiven than most of it. I don't think this is quite as bad as the rap it gets, but uh, Genesis is fucking awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. So the plot of this film is it's essentially it's an origin tale of the Sopranos and how they rise to power, uh, specifically in the, the um the Tony Soprano character played by James Gandolfini um, in the mm. TV show um, interested his son playing the young um, version of him. Right, okay. um, oh. Also in the film you got Alessandro Nivola, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., John Berthnow, Vera Farmiga, Corey Stowe, Ray Liotta and every other single person you've ever seen in a, a mafia movie pops up in this somewhere. You'll recognise a shit ton of faces from a lot of stuff, <laughs> okay? I've never seen an episode of The Sopranos. I don't actually know much about The Sopranos. I am also mm. not a big fan of gangster films generally when gangsters are treated as the heroes of films. Yeah. You know, I, I don't yeah. like seeing them being rewarded for their, their evils. Their misdeeds, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the, the whole working class hero aspect of a gangster is pretty bullshit. You know, they are just you know thugs and killers. Anyway, yeah. the problem with this one is it's very unclear who it's aimed at because... I spoke to people who are big Sopranos fans and they said they really didn't get a lot from it because they didn't really give you much from it. You know, kind of like the Breaking Bad movie that was out recently. Mm. And equally, if you come to it as a non-Sopranos fan, it just washes off as sort of like a generic gangster film where people are sort of really emphasising certain things that you know must be important because, like, they're winking at the camera, essentially. You're going, I have no idea what this means. I you know? don't know why you're doing yeah. that, yeah. Let's just all go to the laundrette. It's like, is the laundrette important? Because you seem to be <laughs> emphasising the word laundrette a lot, so I don't know if it's important or not. So that kind of thing. Um, Ray Otter, who is obviously a veteran of many a gangster film, okay. Yeah, he feels like he could be doing a, like a parody in this one. It, feel, it almost feels like he's doing, like, the loaded weapon version of lethal weapon, you know, it's it's, oh, it's that yeah. level. Like, I don't know if he's what he's doing with this. It feels very character. It feels to the point of being like it does feel almost like parody at times. But he is saved by the fact that um, Corey Stoll, who normally I really like, he's in Ant Man and the Wasp. He, not Ant Man. He's an Ant Man. He's a baddie in Ant Man Yellow Jacket. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. and a lot of stuff. Um, he is. It's almost offensive. His caricature of Italian culture. He might be wow. Italian and maybe that's how he lives, but I was watching going, this seems, it's cringeworthy at times. You're going, holy shit, I cannot believe no one went, just bring it down, bring it down, like, a couple <laughs> of levels, because it feels so, I'm not going to say racist, because I don't think it's quite there, but it, it feels like something from a different era, like, you know. Oh, wow. Fucking you know, hell. Um, that's that's not good, not good at also, all. Also, I know one person who is in the Sopranos, and that is Stevie Van Zandt, who obviously we are a fan of. His characters in this, um, but I've done some reading after it. His characters in this film, right? But this film set in the nineteen seventies. Yet they've cast a guy who looks about five years older than Stevie Van Zandt does now to play the young Stevie <laughs> Van Zandt. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. No, so I have to go. And- um, it makes no sense. Um, how was also, the young Gandalf? How was young Gandalfini as an actor? Well, this is, this is our problem I didn't know he was an actor. Yeah, this is, this is another problem with the film is it's trundled along as a standard gangster movie with the young Gandalfini in the background playing the young Tony, and he sort of a, he's very much a peripheral character in the film for most of it. Then the final twenty minutes to decide, let's make this an origin story. So that's sort of jammed in. So it feels a, a really marked twist in the film to suddenly turn it into like an origin film. So that's when you kind of go. That, that felt like for the fans. Mm. 
But the fans are watching the rest of it, probably not getting much from it. And they get this finale at the end. Whereas we're all watching it going, I don't really get what the fucking point. Like, what is he supposed to he'll be someone important later on? So is there another yeah. film to come after this? You know, what's what's the purpose of this? Um there's also you put Vera Farmigan in it, who's a wonderful actress. She's playing um, mm. I think Tony Soprano's mum in it, who I think in the TV show is quite a a, a a lady of repute and a lady who will kick your ass. She's yeah. getting nothing in this at all. And it's kind of why bring her in to waste her? Because she, she can act, yeah. She, oh, she, she can act. Point the camera on, she'll fucking, you know, give you a performance. Yeah. There's still any scene she's in, but they give her absolutely nothing to work with. Um, no. But yeah, it's, I think guys, the movie is it's passable, it's fine. Alessandro Navolo, who I've seen a few things, he was actually really good in it. I really enjoyed him in it. Um, he, How is Berthnall? Berthnall kind of seems, tends to. Not enough, not enough that. in it. Right, he's playing yeah. a role that he played a hundred times before and he just didn't really have much to it. Yeah. Well, I was more amazed that Bobby Cannavale didn't pop up in it. That's why I was like stunned he was not in it. <laughs> you know, oh, like, Joe, Joe, Joe Pesky, surely this would have got me out of retirement. Well, nah, Joe, Joe only comes out of retirement for Marty. Um, now we know yeah, this. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't break <laughs> any ground. It just, it felt utterly unnecessary. Oh. You know, like I just, I don't understand the reasoning for it behind it. And, and I'm not... Sopranos fans are saying the same as well. Which kind of, they're, they're not well, getting much yeah. from it either, yeah. And I said it feels very much like that Breaking Bad movie that was out, which I kind of got a bit more from it because I liked the Breaking Bad film, but it, it just, you need to, I think if you're a Sopranos fan, you might get more out of this than what did, but it just, it, it was very dull, to be honest. I just didn't oh. buy much from it. Five out oh. of ten. Oh, given that five, though, it's not, that's generous, I think. Yeah. You've been, you've been quite, quite, Easy on it, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to go and see it. No, I, I don't. No, nah. nah. wait, wait till it's on Netflix, not catch it. Then. Netflix, I watch it on HBO one night or something, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That. Next week out, we have one film in the cinema because Bond is still taking up every single available screen. And um, that film is The Adams Family 2, the, the sort mm. of animated version. And I want to see it because I really enjoyed the first Adams Family, as, as did I, I, I yeah. liked it a lot, I enjoyed it immensely. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, hopefully, Lutch, Lutch sings again. That would be yes. brilliant. Like, yeah. The film I went through with zero <laughs> expectation of what it would be, and actually come out going, this is actually a lot of fun, and they've done really well with it. Yeah, I remember going yeah. to see it on a Tuesday morning by myself, and it was literally me and like a mum and her kid, and the mum kept giving me some very strange looks throughout the whole film. <laughs> I was going, this is older than your kid. This I've not found around for a long, long time. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is more my childhood than his childhood, to be honest. Absolutely, yeah. You're making him watch this. I want to watch it. That's yeah. the fucking difference. Yeah. Exactly. I'm yeah. here for a reason. So I'm <laughs> family too. So, um, also on Netflix, a horror film. So if you're doing your horror binge recently, oh. called There's Someone Inside Your House. Oh, so it's an hour and a half. It's from the people who've done Stranger Things, so they're the producers of Stranger Things are involved in it somewhere as well. Um, mm, and uh, that's all I can find us now. We'll have to find some other stuff to put on the list, but that's all I've really got right now for definitely watching next week. Cool, cool. Have you so, find yeah. us? Um, you can find us all the usual haunts number three beers in the movie. We're on Gmail, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're, we're everywhere. We're on, we're on, we're even on Twitter and everything. Yeah. Um, one, one day TikTok, you never know, you never know. Could get there. Um, so yeah, look us up. Let us know what you think. Say hello. Did you like Bond? Did you not? Did you like Sopranos? Did it make sense? What was it? Was it stereo- stereotyped? Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, badly stereotyped. <laughs> I've been calling. You've been Richard, and we have been three beers in a movie.